It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, October 6th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up on today's California report. RSV is known by many to affect infants and children, but new research shows the respiratory virus can have serious impacts on older adults as well. Then, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza brings you a special interview with our very own Steve Baker. Steve's retiring after 25 and a half years on the KVMR staff. You've heard his voice hosting the Morning Update and Monday Morning Show, conducting interviews, helping with membership drives, narrating theatrical promos. The good news? You'll continue to hear Steve's voice as he steps back into the role of volunteer. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Here are some California headlines we're following. A three-day strike by tens of thousands of Kaiser Permanente workers is scheduled to conclude today without word of a final deal between the healthcare giant and its employees. The sides are divided over pay increases and staffing levels at Kaiser hospitals and clinics. Union negotiators have asked for a minimum wage of $25 an hour with 7% wage increases over the next two years. Kaiser has with a minimum wage of $21 to $23 an hour and slower wage increases in the coming years. In other labor news, a strike vote is looming for teachers in Fresno, and the school district there is preparing to make sure schools can remain open if teachers do in fact walk out. The district's board of trustees have approved $500 a day in pay for substitutes. That's more than double their normal pay. Nikki Henry is with Fresno Unified. She spoke to CBS 47 TV. We need to entice, we need to pull folks from other areas to make sure that we're able to provide everything we need to our kids. The $500 a day is absolutely strategic and intentional to make sure that we can keep our schools open, safe, and full of learning. Fresno Unified is the third largest school district in the state. The teachers union is planning to hold a strike authorization vote on October 18th. In San Diego, a city council committee has unanimously approved a sweeping crackdown on unlicensed street vendors in the city's downtown area, parks, and beach communities. Under the proposal, police and park rangers would have the ability to immediately impound vending carts and impose fines. Some of the unlicensed vendors have been accused of obstructing sidewalks, creating unsanitary conditions, and threatening customers and other vendors. Pete Soto is a licensed hot dog vendor in downtown San Diego and talked to San Diego's NBC7. Between the homeless and the illegal vendors, it's kind of like, it's like wild, wild west down here. The police can get involved now. That's important. That's one of the important things, because without them, nothing's going to get done. Some street performers in San Diego are worried that actions taken against street vendors might also include them violating their free speech rights. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, Advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. 
RSV, it's the respiratory virus that's commonly viewed as affecting infants and young children. But new research from the federal government shows it can significantly harm older adults as well. KQED's Dana Cronin reports. Last year, Bay Area hospitals were inundated with children suffering from the effects of RSV, runny noses, coughing, and wheezing. But new research from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows adults over the age of 60 are at risk too. The new paper shows that RSV results in up to 160,000 hospitalizations and 10,000 deaths annually in seniors. Dr. Vinny Ja is a pulmonologist for Sutter Health in San Francisco. He says older adults with underlying conditions are at even greater risk. Their immune system in some cases is not as robust and so is not able to fight off the RSV infection. RSV typically circulates during the fall and winter, and Santa Clara County Deputy Health Officer Sarah Rudman says they've already detected it. Our Santa Clara County wastewater data confirmed that flu and RSV are starting to spread already here in our area. And we know that COVID transmission is at high levels. She recommends those over the age of 60 talk to their doctor about getting vaccinated against RSV and COVID and the flu. For the California Report, I'm Dana Cronin. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. A century ago, women mariachi bands just didn't exist. Even 50 years ago, women playing mariachi music was rare. Today, though, women like Sacramento's Denora Klingler are rewriting the story of male-dominated mariachi musical culture one song at a time. Here's KQED's Bianca Taylor. During the COVID pandemic, Denora Klingler felt like she was going crazy not being able to perform live music in front of an audience. So I started playing outside on my here in front of my house. Oh, I love it. Denora set up her microphone and speakers and played for her neighbors weekly. One of them recorded her performance and it got picked up by a news station in Sacramento. Well, we have my my beautiful neighbors here that are joining for the cafecito this morning. Oh, I love it. Denora took this as a sign. The world was just as hungry for mariachi music as she was. So she put up a post on her Facebook page. Are you a female musician? Do you have experience in mariachi music? Hit me up. I'm forming an all-female mariachi band here in Sacramento. And sure enough, you know, these girls start responding. And I play violin, I play violin, I play this, I play that. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy, you know? Before long, she had auditioned about a dozen women, and Mariachi Bonitas was born. It was fast. It was fast, and uh, I was completely blown away. It was, wow, this is happening. You can hear more of that story on this week's California Report magazine. It airs on many public radio stations, or you can download the podcast. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, October 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Christopher Beal, Jim Bennett, Catherine Monahan, Brian Douglas, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Izzy Bloom and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Déjame ver en tus ojos, mi amor, la mentira que me has estado haciendo vivir. Déjame amarte una vez y otra más y saber si en verdad ya no me quieres llamar. A couple of quick local news updates before we get into your weekend weather forecast. Caltrans has announced that Highway 20 is now open after being closed for 12 days. And a reminder that the Tahoe National Forest is conducting a prescribed burn on roughly 400 acres at Sage Hen Summit off Highway 89 near Truckee. Smoke will be visible from Truckee, Donner, and Independence Lake, as well as Stampede and Boca Reservoir areas. Now let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. Despite being well into October, this weekend will be hot. Dry and warm conditions continue through the weekend with minor risk for heat-related illnesses. Rain and cooler temperatures will return early next week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 61 degrees. Saturday sunny with a high near 87. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 60 degrees. Sunday sunny with a high near 85. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 55 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight clear with a low around 42 degrees. Areas of smoke between 8 and 11 p.m. Saturday, sunny with a high near 75 degrees. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 43. Sunday, sunny with a high near 73. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 44 degrees and gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 62 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 95. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 62 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 90. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 57 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Steve, did you drink coffee this morning? Yes, I did. So you're all peppy and ready to go? You feel peppy? Yeah, sort of. Well, yeah, you know, enough. (laughs) (laughs) Peppy enough. Coming up, KVMR's Steve Baker steps into a new role, retirement. On his last official staff day, Steve sits down with KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca and reflects on what over two decades at the community radio station looks like. As you can imagine, the two had a lot to discuss, and this is just a snippet of the entire interview. Well, to start, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning as it relates to KVMR. Tell me the story of how you got here. How did I get to KVMR? Yeah, maybe how did you get to Nevada City first? Well... My wife really wanted to get out of the Bay Area because there was a uh, murder in a house uh, two houses away from us in uh, in Oakland near um, Mills College. 
and which is not considered that dangerous of a neighborhood, but it just really freaked her out. And uh, so we started looking around and, you know, we went to, uh, oh, I'd say about eight different cities. And the only one that we were interested in was Nevada City. What year was this? Uh, that would have been 1990. Were you hip to this area or did you guys kind of just look at a map and say, let's go here, let's go here? We were hip. At the, well, actually, not necessarily that hip. I, although I had been here. Duck's Breath had come here and played in 1983 or 1984. And we remembered it as a, a great show that was in front of uh, Jonathan Richmond and a couple other people that we knew uh, up here. And, and that was really kind of cool. And then uh, when uh, uh, our, my wife and family and I came up here to, to just look around, it just, it just fit what we were looking for. This was right after Roseville, where we were trying to get back on the road, the main road out of uh, some place like a subdivision where we looked at a house. And it took a really long time. <laughs> so for people, you mentioned Duck's Breath. For people who don't know what Duck's Breath is, tell us about that. Duck's Breath is a screwball comedy group that started at actually at the University of Iowa, uh, I met them through another friend of mine who is a, a writer when I was the editor of the Daily Iowan before I had left and I worked with the Quad City Times for two and a half years or three years, something like that. That's the city paper? Quad City Times is the city paper of, well, four cities, Davenport, Iowa, Bettendorf, Iowa, Rock Island, Illinois, and Moline, Illinois. And anyway, it's that, that, so it's called the Quad Cities, sometimes called the Quint Cities if you count East Moline. Got it. <laughs> so you were working there as a reporter? Yeah. And then I, that, when I left there and went to Europe in the summer of 1975 and with uh, two of my college friends, and we just had a wonderful time. But people were sending us mail because there were a couple places that we were staying at for several days. And... Uh, got a letter from one of my friends talking about this marvelous comedy group that he uh, had helped get booked in Iowa City. Uh, and when I got back, I got a chance to see them. I was really impressed. And uh, the paper that I worked for said, go, yeah, sure, go ahead and write a feature and we'll give you, you know, a freelance fee. And so I talked to them and did an article about them. And they were so impressed, they asked me, I mean, this is, that's what the, this is what they say. They were so impressed, they asked me to become their manager and move to San Francisco with them. And it was uh, January, it was Iowa, and it was cold. So you didn't need much convincing. Exactly. And, I, and I'd never been to California at that time. And, you know, and yet I'd never been to Europe, you know, a half a year before this. And I just, you know, going, to, wow, this might be my next big adventure. And it was. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of being in San Francisco was that we moved a couple of times because uh, we weren't, you know, we were just starting to make a little bit of money. But then we found a place that had five bedrooms and we could get it for $700. Stop right there. $700 a month. Five bedroom in San Francisco. Yeah. This was 1975, 76. Mm -hmm. The very beginning of 76. Mm -hmm. What um, neighborhood? You're going to love this. It was in the Seacliff neighborhood. 
which means that our neighbors there, well, first of all, when the owner of the house, this was, we got this from a rental agency, and when the owner heard that there were six men and uh, two women moving into the house, she went nuts, <laughs> literally. But this papers have been signed, and, uh, and the rental company had a lot of faith in us, you know. We'd actually, this is, this is actually, our, like I said, our third house there. So we'd actually started to get a reputation among people who are into uh, comedy a la Firesign Theater and a la Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Those are the two groups that we were compared to the most. So why do you think the, the owner... Uh, she also heard that we, uh, our mattresses were on the floor as opposed to being in proper bedding for Seacliff, okay? I see. Our neighbors were a private girls' school across the street. In back of us across an alley was the Japanese consulate's residence. Three houses down from us was the judge who ran against some guy named George Moscone for mayor. I've heard of that guy. Yeah. And then Kitty Corner from us and the last house before a golf course was the house of, well... They both used to live there, Paul Kantner and Grace Slick, but they broke up. And Paul Kantner was staying there then, and their daughter, China, would come and stay there on occasions. So um, what market did you ask for? <laughs> so middle 70s, Sea Cliffs, a ragtag group of alternative comedy yeah. artists. What was the city like at the time? As one of us joked, and I have to give Leon Martel, one of the guys in the group, total credit for this one, we felt that we were part of the In the Hate, 10 Years Too Late program. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first one that ended, was, it was living in the hate, and we all ended up in different apartments, mostly in the hate. The other thing that was we didn't like about us all living together was we felt like we were becoming the new monkeys. We spent enough time on the road. This is, again, around the time that we had started touring. Um, and we were driving from place to place, and, and I mean everywhere, mm-hmm. um, once, we, once word got out about us. So that was, really, that was really good. But spending all that time in motels and, uh, and in vans that we'd rented <clears throat> just was like, no, no, <laughs> we don't want to live with each other when we get back home. And folks were finding more partners to hang around with, and Munchkins started evolving. So. Sure. So Duck's Breath kind of grew in terms of the family element. Everybody's sort of moving into different places. When did you get to Oakland? I got to Oakland uh, when I got married. I mean, I'd been seeing a woman in Oakland before that. Um, she was a public radio producer and a very, a very good one, my former wife. And... She heard about Nevada City from another incredibly talented producer who had moved here. Who? Um, Catherine Stifter is her name. And we had, we had one, one baby together, and, that's, and who is just an, a wonderful, wonderful 34-year-old woman now. <laughs> Going forward in the timeline, you guys are married when the murder happened. The one that pushed the, the migration out of the Bay Area. Yeah. Your daughter was born by then? Yeah. She was, uh, well, she turned one just before we moved here. Mm-hmm. We moved here like the end of June, and she uh, 
turned one at the end of uh, at the end of May. So you look at all these different places, including uh, Roseville. You end up in Nevada City. I'm picturing you in the middle of Spring Street, arms out, pirouetting, <laughs> looking at the sky. This is it. <laughs> was it something like that, or I mean, t- uh, tell me yeah, about the move? Well, yeah, yeah, to some extent it was. Um, uh, I was still managing Duck's Breath at that time, and did for quite a while while I was here. Um, and, and but I think I I ended up being able to adjust here, and I got an office uh, actually across the street uh, over on in the building that's just across from the uh, Nevada Theater uh, and upstairs, and it had the best view of downtown Nevada City of any building, at least as far as I knew of. <laughs> so do you remember how much the rent was? $325. I mean, this, now this, this was just, this is just for uh, an office and access to a bathroom. $325. Yeah. A month for a, you know, but, it, and it was a fairly good size office. I'd say it's under the size of two rooms in most that would be comparable. In 1990. 1990. So it's 1990. You're working from an office above Broad Street. Yeah. I also already knew some people at uh, KVMR or was, you know, knew of them because they had carried a radio show that Duck's Breath did that was free to all community and public radio stations. What was that? Tell me about that one. Um, it was basically called Duck's Breath because, like, uh, the guy that thought of the name for the group said, I liked that name because it was an odd concept. And that actually almost captures what we were trying to do in surrealistic and, and screwball comedy combined. Do you have a favorite sketch of Duck's Breath that sticks with you? Well, it's certainly a, a, our art show, um, which is uh, one, one of the guys pretending he's doing a, 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 you know, an art uh, show on a screen. And, you know, he clicks his fingers to change it from one picture to another. And then those guys scurry around and become the next picture. And it was just, it, it was a real favorite, particularly among people who happen to know the artists. But even if you didn't know the artists, that was, uh, it was great fun. We were also doing one-act shows as well, um, which included uh, Gonad the Barbarian, <laughs> And which was quite a, quite a popular one, and we actually performed that at the at a national science fiction convention, and they went nuts over it. So we're thinking we're going to get rich. This is going to be great, you know, kind of thing. That never really happened, but uh, w- but we still did some great stuff. In addition to the touring that I talked about, we're we had done a demo for All Things Considered because we had some contacts there. But nothing happened with the demo except a, a different associate producer there gave me a call and said, this is really good. We'd like you, I'd like you guys to try to do some more for us. And that started us being on uh, uh, National Public Radio's All Things Considered back in the uh, early 80s. This is before we you know, moved to different places. And by the time I got here, there were two in Los Angeles and two still in Iowa, in Nevada City. How did that work? Did you guys just kind of come together for the tours? Yeah. Well, now of course it would be. There's so many simple ways to do it. You know, it would be Zoom. But uh, no, and and then people would come up when we then when they were doing new material, uh, people would come from the place from where they were living and gather usually in San Francisco. 
So, and I didn't need to be there for most rehearsals, although I tried to keep, you know, like when the night before they start and and when and, and then when they're all over, I'd usually come back. Head to kvmr.org to listen to the extended version of this interview, which dives deeper into Steve's many exploits, including his involvement with anarchist comedy group Duck's Breath. Steve's long career in journalism and his storied involvement in KVMR for more than 25 years, during which time he produced the long-running KVMR show Loafer's Glory with you, Utah Phillips. That's our newscast for this Friday, October 6th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Vols Brothers Automotive, serving the community since 1982, located at 962 Golden Gate Terrace in Grass Valley. Same worksmanship, customer service, and community involvement. Online at volsbros.com and Green Acres Nursery and Supply. With seven area locations, currently offering pre-orders for bare root fruit trees and bare root roses for pickup when they arrive in mid-December and January. idiggreenacres.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.